This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Hi, I'm Richard Gershon, the host of In Legal Terms and a professor at the University of Mississippi School of Law. If you miss a live In Legal Terms episode, find our podcast, inlegalterms.mpbonline.org. morning, and thanks for being with us on Relatively Speaking. I am Dr. Susan Buttress, Professor of Pediatrics at the University of Mississippi Medical Center. Well, today we're going to be talking about men's mental health. You know, we spent um, quite a number of weeks, different shows actually, talking about breast cancer awareness and and women's health. And so today we're going to focus on men. Men and women suffer from mental health conditions really at similar rates, um, although it goes up and down with anxiety and depression at different times. Really, it's very similar. They're not the discrepancies that we used to think. Four out of five people who die by suicide are men. So clearly, men can suffer from severe depression. There have been lots of celebrities, Dwayne Johnson, of course, Ryan Reynolds had talked before he died about his struggles, and many others have talked about struggles with anxiety, depression, suicidal thoughts. I imagine that every single one of us has known someone or some many who suffer and maybe even die due to their mental health struggles. But still, men experience difficulty with using the words mental health in relation to how they feel. And worse than that, many um, will not seek help. So today I want to focus on this issue and, and what we need to do to help you men in our lives do a better job about seeking help. And um, Abram's nodding. Abram, good morning. Thanks for being with us. Good morning, Doc. Thank you for having me on, as always. Well, one thing that that I really wanted us to talk about, because the holidays always, almost always, highlight mental health issues, because so many times we are struggling, uh, many of us, men and women, with just dealing with difficult family members, with perhaps the holidays not being as as exciting uh, for some of us because of issues that have happened to us during the holidays, maybe because we don't have the loved ones around us that we wish we had, or or maybe we're feeling lonely. But, but whatever it is, I think this is probably a good time anyway to focus on this topic. But um, before the show, you and I were talking a little bit about the the difference in men and women and how we talk about things and, and why or why not we even do or do not seek help. I think 
in general, now this is an, a very broad generalization, but in general, women tend to be able to talk about their feelings more than men. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I, th- I think uh, we were we were kind of talking about it a little bit before we came on. Um, and I said that, like, you know, a lot of these things, mental health is viewed as like an effeminate thing. You know, you're, if someone's insecure or they're anxious or they're lonely, you always you know, for some reason you associate associated as a effeminate thing instead of, you know, it's worldwide, it's global. Right, right. And a weakness. And I think right. we're gonna talk a little bit about the 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 male effect. You know, men are typically, not all, bigger, stronger most um than than most women, uh, tend to be somewhat less outwardly emotional. Than women, um, testosterone obviously gives them more typically muscle mass and and all of the above, and so I think so often and and men historically have been sort of have placed in that protector position where I can't be weak because I've got to be the protector. And I, I think society has allowed us to make some changes as we've moved along, but we continue for whatever reason. And I have a few that I'm going to put before our listeners and see see how many of you agree with me. But we still continue to think of mental illness as a sign of weakness. Now, um, November was designated um, first by a group out of Australia as Men's Mental Health Month. It's called Movember. And it started back about um, in 2003, actually. And there were a lot of activities to, to focus on mental health. And then I'm not sure why they link the two together, but prostate and testicular cancer and suicide prevention. But uh, today I really want to focus on mental health um, because I think clearly there was a need back when Movember, everybody started growing mustaches to make people notice the, the need to recognize men's need in the area of mental health. And I, you know, I was as I was preparing the show, I'd already decided to do it on this. And I'm watching CBS Morning News, and guess what? Their special was on one of their news stories was about airline pilots and the fact that those who are suffering with depression and anxiety often fail to have it addressed because they're afraid it's going to affect their job, which is the way they make their living, right? And so, and then, of course, um, there have been several scares with pilots or co-pilots going through a difficult time while they're in the cockpit. And so there's been more notice placed on that. But many of you listeners may remember that back in 2015, there was a horrible tragedy um, that happened with uh, a German wings, a German wings flight. It was ninety five twenty five, and uh, a, a co-pilot named Andres Lubitz uh, had been seriously previously treated for 
suicidal tendencies, and he was declared unfit by his doctor. But he kept it to himself because he didn't want to stop flying. He didn't want to lose his job, and he thought he could deal with it, and he couldn't. And what happened um, during that flight he went through some sort of crisis, and when the pilot stepped out, I think, to go to the bathroom, um, he locked the pilot out and crashed the plane into the Alps, and 150 people died. I have not heard of that, that story. That is... Right. It, it is... It's one of those things that, like, you, you know, you're putting responsibility of so many people and then you're suffering at the same time. Like right. it's it, it's such a prideful thing for someone like that. It is to, to take and, that to themselves. And you know, I think what what the news story was about today was trying trying to highlight the need to make sure that pilots and co pilots, particularly or regularly, um, given the mental health support that they need and that that nobody loses their job perhaps they need to be taken out of flying when they are really having severe issues but that nobody feels like they would be in danger of losing their job and I dare say that of course being a pilot when so many people's lives are in your hands is one thing like a a a train um Captain, Train. conductor, conductor. There you go. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I couldn't remember the name of the <laughs> the driver of the train, but but that's when you know. Obviously, you're you're you place many lives in danger. But I don't need to go into detail. You all know. You've had you've heard stories about things gone awry when when people are suffering with mental illness that has not been addressed. Um, we won't go into the school shootings because we've heard plenty of those. Um, so as we're moving through all this, the next thing I wanted to do is just just talk about the fact that there are probably some reasons that have been pointed out as to to why men don't seek don't view mental health as something that they should address and i um was as i was researching for this show i found a wonderful website um, by uh, the mental health group. It's a National Men's Mental Health Consortium. And the director of development, Sachin Doshi, had a great article that he wrote about the three less known reasons why men don't talk about their mental health. And I want to go through these before our first break. And then when we come back, I want to talk through them a little bit. Okay, I'm just going to list them now. And when we get back, I'd love listeners for you to jump in the conversation and see if some of this rings true to you. The first one is awareness strategies are not targeted well toward men. Think about that. The second one is men ask for help differently than women ask for help. 
And then the third is that men can express mental health problems differently, leading to a misunderstanding or a misdiagnosis of what is really going on. Okay? Thanks for listening on this Thanksgiving week. I hope all of you are doing well and getting together with loved ones. And if you're not, I hope that you are able to reach out to perhaps some of those who might be alone and um, you get together so that you are not alone. On this Thanksgiving, Uh, this is supposed to be one of the most highly traveled weeks, and I dare say the roads are wet. Finally, we needed that rain, but that makes them a little more dangerous. So I hope everyone will be careful out there. Um, We are talking today about men's mental health. And listeners, I have a, a few questions to you. Men don't express their mental health needs and often don't ask for help. Why do you think this is happening? Do you think that men believe that mental health is, or lack thereof, that anxiety or depression is a sign of weakness? Do you think men are afraid to know the truth? Or are they afraid of doctors, um, particularly those psychologists and psychiatrists, um, who who may be having an opinion about how strong or weak they may be. And to you women, do you have trouble getting those men you love to see the doctor for preventative care, um, particularly for help with uh, mental health issues? Well, that's something that comes to my mind. Like even, you know, even without mental health, uh, there's physical health, like a man, like I've, I know for sure my dad like has gotten the really bad cut before and he wouldn't go to the doctor for it. Mm-hmm. Um, so even with, even with physical health and like things you would assume that people need to go to the doctor for that it's, it's less common for men. Mm-hmm. Right. So I, I truly believe some of it is just trying to prove that they are strong and tough. I really do. It's just like so many times um, ball players, if you look on the football field or the baseball field, until very stringent rules were initiated um, for concussive um, issues, often players would insist on going back out. I know the coaches sometimes forced it, but often players did it to themselves and would not, even after two or three concussive episodes, would insist on continuing to play ball when they should have been taken out forever. So, um, yeah, I think some of it is that. I don't know that all of it is that. But we do have a caller, Mark from Mobile, with some personal experiences with depression. And um, let's hear from Mark before we keep going. Hi, Mark. Thanks for calling. Good morning. Uh, Let me just kind of run through a few things quickly. This is personal experiences. I have had five times in my life where things really got overwhelming. A couple of them led to actionable suicidal thoughts mm. uh, and so so 
I've got I've got some knowledge of this. The first thing would be if anyone, a man, a woman, or whatever, uh, when you're seeking out counseling, you need to be comfortable with the counselor first. And if you're not, try another one. Right. Uh, the other thing. The other thing would be. Uh, as a man, consider whether you're more comfortable talking to a man, or if that's more awkward, then consider talking to a woman. So the gender of the person you're speaking with can have some impact on how much you open up, right? right. So I've, I've had both. It's worked well because of the individual. But um, a third thing is that there can be a history of family depression. Um, in my case, uh, my younger brother actively tried to commit suicide but failed. Um, as I say, I had considered it a couple of times. Uh, and when we checked into the family history, it turns out that it goes back a couple of generations, too. So my father, when I told him about my depression, ended up going to see somebody and getting some medication. Um, I like to describe it as sort of the brightest that you see in the world is gray. You never see really see light. Mm. And another thing that makes depression hard for people to, to share with family and friends is that the more depressed you get, it's like the bubble around you shrinks and shrinks and shrinks until it's just you in the bubble. Mm. So that's kind of the way I envision it. Um, the one time that I was near suicidal, uh, my therapist actually suggested I go to a suicide support group. And when I went there, the people that I met were so much worse off than I was that I got out of my bubble by thinking about, gee, what can I say or how can I help them? Oh, so, wow. Uh, it really, you know, it, that sort of popped me loose at that point. Now, the things that happened to me were very dramatic. Uh, in one case, it was an employment situation where somebody uh, did something illegal behind closed doors, and so they called me in and they said, well, I'm sorry, at the end of the year we're going to have to let you go. And the next day I flew to New York and I was standing on the stage of Carnegie Hall as a musician uh, taking a bow for a piece I composed, and I'm going, thank you very much. What the heck just happened? Right. So the dichotomy of that, one of the things that that led to was not only the serious depression, but also anger. And mm -hmm. so I was plotting ways to get even with the people that did that to me. Uh, didn't, didn't act on it, which is good. Um, so anyway, it's, it, there's not a one-size-fits-all. It's a complicated situation. So, um, But my, my personal recommendation is go ahead and find somebody. It, 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 it takes you out of your comfort zone. But uh, if nothing else, ask your doctor to recommend somebody. Right. That worked for me. Right. Okay. Mark, you made so many great points. Okay. If you don't connect with one therapist, go to another, find another. And uh, your your point about the gender of your therapist, some are going to connect better with a woman. Some are going to connect better with a man. I love that point. The other analogy that I really liked, and I think people often don't realize what's really happening to somebody with depression, and you, you mentioned it in a couple of different ways, that your bubble got smaller, and that is exactly what happens. Typically, 
what happens is people withdraw. They step away from their favorite sports group or they step away from their coffee club or they step away from their girlfriend or spouse and start closing themselves off. And so that that diminishing size of the bubble is is a really good analogy to talk about how how sometimes whether you're isolating yourself or if people because they're seeing this irritable angry individual they want to step away from you for but for whatever reason that bubble does get smaller now i i want to say this is probably a good point for me to uh, remind everybody that men and women often express and that's one of the reasons men and women often express their depression or anxiety differently from each other okay women um, often are outwardly emotional. They'll say they're sad. They'll say they're worried. They'll cry. They'll demonstrate their ang- anxiety and depression that way. Men, and Mark, you mentioned it, often will get angry, irritable, lash out at others, and cut people off. And so that, I think we have got to understand better how to recognize that in somebody we care about is that when somebody's angry and irritable, it doesn't mean that they're mad at you or don't want to be around you. It means that there's inwardly something going on. And then you pointed out, Mark, what a great call. Um, And then you pointed out that sometimes there is not a situation that you can point to that is the cause of your depression because there is something real in the genetics of depression and, and the genetics of your neurochemical production and all. And yes, your environment, surroundings, what happened to you, adverse events, all can play a part in it. Sometimes some of us are just preset to have lower serotonin levels, lower dopamine levels. And so that can be the problem. So it's not weakness at all. It's just something that, you know, you were saddled with, like blue or brown eyes or a taller, short body. You just, we just have to keep in mind that that is what is going on. And and then, okay, I've, I've touched on all these wonderful points you brought up. But the final one that, that um, we were actually, Abram and I were talking about this before the show. Men tend to not want to ask for help unless they can help somebody back, unless there's reciprocity. Unless they know that they're just not weak and have to be helped, but also can turn around and help someone else. And um, I found it interesting when you were talking about going to the suicide support group and you went, wait, I, I can help these people. What a wonderful thing. I, I hope it helped you um, to come out of it. Mark, would you speak a little bit? 
to our listeners about when people ask you, have you thought about killing yourself? Did it make you want to do it more or did it make you stop and think? Um, kind of neither. Uh, mm. The first part was uh, if I was going to do it more, it was sort of the more shrunken into myself I got. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it there, there, it can be one of two things. You're e- they, they, you know, they kind of define it, as you well know. Either your thoughts are sort of out there in your mind or they're actionable. In other words, I'm actually planned how I'm going to do this, whether I'm going to throw a toaster in the bathtub with me or I've got a gun, which is really not a good thing to have around. Right. Uh, you know, there are times when I've been within hours and ended up getting in touch with my therapist, and he, he talked me down. Uh, so there, there's not really a good answer to that. I do have two other things to sort of throw out here, too. Okay. Uh, the, first, the first is that um, we tend to be very good chameleons. The more depressed and insular we get, the more we pretend for others. Right. So we can put on a happy face and we can go into work and we can be, you know, joke around with everybody and offer to be help helping them and stuff. And really, you just you're just bumping along, faking it. Right. Mm -hmm. And that's one of the hard things to recognize is whether somebody's behavior changed that way. The other thing is, for me personally, with the number of major tragedies that I've gone through, um, I am much more emotional, and that makes some people uncomfortable. When I get upset, I cry. You know, and um, but that's a good thing. About, even talking about one of those situations, right. you know, twenty-five years later, it breaks me up. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, so um, you can make people uncomfortable around you not just by being angry or something, but by being emotional. Not mm-hmm. not as common, but mm-hmm. it happens. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, so just to, to answer your question in a nutshell, there is no right answer for um, for does that make you more or less likely to act. I would, if I had to go with it, I'd say it makes you less likely to mm-hmm. act because it means that you're somebody you're communicating with. Right. That's what researchers say, that that it does not increase the risk. In fact, it may go the other way because finally somebody's just put that elephant in the room, so to speak, out there and just made, put it all together and said, hey, it looks like things aren't good for you. Um, And just having somebody recognize where you are. You know, Mark, you mentioned um, having the fact that sometimes individuals who are really depressed um, hide it with jokes. I mean, think about Robin Williams, the incredibly brilliant comedian who died by suicide. He uh, was one of the funniest individuals I have ever heard, I think, in, in my whole life. And, and I'm, I've had a lot of life. Yet he, he struggled um, with his emotions so much. I had a close friend who made everybody laugh. He was the life of the party. Everybody wanted him at any function that we attended. And he also died by suicide because he was struggling. He had a family history of um, suicide. 
which does put you at increased risk. And that's why we all just need to know, know, be aware, and make sure that we look for the signs. And when the signs are there for us, that we are able to reach out. And congratulations to you for calling your therapist and making sure that you reached out for help when you thought you were on the edge. You also made one more comment um, that I have to highlight is whenever anyone is struggling severely with anxiety or depression, there should not be a firearm in the home. There just should not. If you can get it out, um, get somebody. If you own some, um, get somebody to keep them for you, to lock them up for you, uh, if you can. Um, make sure that that you're not increasing the risk. If you have a loved one, um, a, a younger individual in the house, um, and have guns around, and you are concerned, know that those those weapons need to be locked and put away, hidden, so that the individual cannot get to them. Because when someone is struggling so deeply, it's it's hard. Uh, to protect them when when there's something a deadly weapon like that out there. So, gosh, Mark, thank you. You you helped me step through already so many points that I wanted to make in the show. I would love to hear from other callers who have had perhaps experiences like Mark, or maybe even struggling with what you're going through now and not sure how to reach out. We'd love to hear from you and and talk more with you. Uh, give us a call, one eight seven seven mpb ring That's one 672 Well, again, thank you so much. As I always say, callers make the show, and you contributed quite a bit. I appreciate it, Mark. Thanks. Thank you. Well, I hope your Thanksgiving is great. Um, All right. Let me talk a little bit more about something that we've already touched on, and that is that men can express their, their feelings so differently that, that typically, uh, a woman will respond to the symptoms of depression, and their affect will be recognizable. They'll be sad. They'll withdraw. They might appear disheartened, or, you know, they might express these worthless self-esteem. Women are really good about talking about how dumb they are, how ugly they are, or how whatever they are. Uh, Men, not so much. And I think a lot of that is because men are often taught to put out the I'm a tough guy um, front and I'm the protector front. And so to to make sure that, that that pressure that we tend to put on men does not continue. I, I really do think that as as I think about it, often there's a lot of pressure out there. Abram, what do you think? I, as a woman, I wonder how much pressure maybe I put on my father, my brother, my husband when I didn't really mean to. Right. Um, 
I think when it comes to pressure, uh, I think for at least in my own personal experience, it mostly comes from inside yourself. Uh, like no one's, I wouldn't say no one, like it's obviously been instilled in you in some form or capacity or whatever, but no one's like acted actively pressuring you to, you know, be a certain way. Uh, Like it's normally from my experience, it's been, I I'm pushing myself to do this thing or be this way. And it's just not working out for me. Mm. Um, but, uh, if I could uh, kind of go back a little bit, um, you brought up Robin Williams, who was one of the. I, I agree, he was one of my favorite actors. Like probably one of the most devastated deaths I've ever, most devastated I've ever been by a Hollywood death. Right, um, by an actor death. Yes, yeah. Um, he he has some brilliant quotes about it uh, about depression. Two th- two um, that I would like to say right here is that. Uh, he said, we don't try to cure cancer on our own, nor should we try to battle depression on our own. And then another one, he said, I think the saddest people always try their hardest to make people happy because they know what it's like to feel absolutely worthless and they don't want anyone else to feel like that. Mm. He was so brilliant. He was just one of those individuals. Too bad he couldn't. You know, and, and it's it's one of those things that he had all the money in the world, but finding the the right individual to help, finding the right support structure around you is so very important. And the truth is, is that I know there are people out there who are listening to this show who are thinking in their minds, I tried so hard, and yet I still lost somebody I love so very much because I couldn't help them enough. And sometimes that does happen. And I think that it's one of the most devastating things that can happen. I think the thing we have to remember is that when when someone dies by suicide, it does not it does not mean that they were trying to hurt you. It was trying it meant that they were trying to get the hurt to go away. And the issue with that is that when they're trying to get the hurt to go away, many times there is not that ability to have the insight of how much they're going to hurt the people around them. And so back to Mark's point, one of the best things that that anyone can do when they're struggling with mental health issues is to try to figure out a way to reach out and help somebody else. Because so many times that that is a mood elevator. And, you know, I was reading another quote as I was looking at how we approach men and in the wrong way when we're trying to convince men to get get mental health. I have talked a lot about exercise being a mood elevator because it increases the endorphins. I have two sons, both of whom are big exercise people. And and both of them, when they have an injury or a situation where they're not able to exercise a lot, will outwardly talk about how their mood changes. And I, I see it. It does. And I'm sure their significant others see it also. And so to remember that. But this this was one of the, um, the quotes that I saw. 
uh, about exercise. It's been shown that aerobic exercise can reduce stress, fight depression, and promote a happy outlook on life. There are thousands of ways for men to exercise. Jazzercise is not one of them. And I thought that was so funny. You know, women women have all these little exercise things, Pilates and jazzercise and all of this stuff. And sometimes it's just not for some men. It's probably for some men. That's fun, but for not all. And so we need to make sure when we talk about whatever exercise we're talking about, we make sure that we we put it we put it in the more in terms that resonate um, resonate with men. You know, it's like anxiety is like having the eight hundred pound gorilla on your back. Rather than talking about anxiety and worry in more feminine terms, important to do that. Today we're talking about mental health issues, and and sometimes those cloudy, rainy days make us feel a little bit more down. And so to make sure that we don't let that happen as we're moving along. But we're talking particularly about anxiety and depression and suicidal ideation in men, and why so many times, while there's a higher risk of significant negative outcomes for men. And, and the reason is, is that men often do not seek help. Now, that is across the board in, in health in general, not just mental health. And, you know, I think Rosalind Carter, who just died at 96, was just a wonderful proponent for mental health. And, you know, she made a great statement. I can't directly quote her, but but she talked uh, about why in the world do we keep separating mental health from body health? It's all the same, and it's all part of one. And And it really is. Look like you wanted to say something, Abraham. Yeah, yeah, I mean, that is a good question to pose to, you know, all of medical academia and intelligentsia and whatnot. Um, but one thing that I, I've always thought when we were talking when we were talking previously about um, you know, when you when you do get depressed, you know, getting out, exercising, you know, maybe going golfing with friends or something like that, you know, what there's a lot of ways that you can self-medicate and not all of them are good. Right. Um, like, like if you're, if you're depressed and you need to get out and go to do something, getting out and going to the bar is not always the best thing. Um, intaking some alcohol or, you know, going to a shooting range or something like that. There, there's so many worse positions or not worse positions, but positions that can make your situation worse. Right. Um, that you can put yourself in. Well, and there is a higher incidence of uh, alcoholism in men, and some of that is probably because of that self-medication issue that that men often try. Yeah. And so, to, you know, the work stress has also been noted, if if you will, Work stress in the workplace. Now I know home can be stressful, but you know, in the in the fifty years ago, many women did not work outside the home, 
And if you looked at the stroke rate, cardiac uh, myocardial infarction rate, and and other issues, high blood pressure issues, and that kind of thing, were higher in men. Now that women have moved into the workforce, those instances are getting closer together. So a greater number of women are having cardiac instance uh, incidents and strokes and the like. Um, and and some of that, you know, by by researchers and and other mental health experts, the thought is is that perhaps it it really is because that work stress can can be such a huge huge issue in in call, causing and then you are at work and you don't have outlets you have to pretend to be great and everything's great even though you're not liking your job and you're not liking your boss and things are not going well so the that that type A personality behavior often is something that that also can be very damaging to your physical and brain health. So something that we need to remember and to to keep in mind that if if there is work stress out there having some support doing the things abram like you said the coming up with other outlets uh, whether it is playing golf or racquetball or pickleball or whatever you're going to some riding bikes um walking just a good rapid walk is really as good as as jogging or running so and a, a good point to all that is that most of the things you uh, listed are or take place in the sun. Um, they're all outdoors activities. You know, mm. you're taking in the uh, vitamin D and whatnot. Um, you know, a lot of people. For me, my outlet is uh, playing playing video games with my friends online. And you know, that's that. It could be a much better outlet. I'll yeah. say that it, it it could be much healthier for me and yeah. uh, benefit me in a better way. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. That, you know, seasonal affective disorder is another thing around this time of year is a is a big issue. And I want to mention another thing too. Women typically have a much and more reliable a much larger and more reliable social network. Not sure why that is. Maybe it's because men are less likely to reach out to, to friends, I don't know, less likely to have a group. But having a good social network is really important. So men out there, make sure that you don't diminish your bubble, like Mark said at the beginning of the show, make your bubble so small that you, you, don't, you don't allow yourself to take time for friends and you don't reach out to those individuals that you sometimes enjoy being around. You know, we talk a lot about protecting, protecting yourself from the people who don't enhance your life. But if there are people out there that you know that you know might enhance your life, reach out to them. Okay. Uh, well, one one thing I want to add in real yeah. quick. Um, 
you know, I, I think a lot of men just don't want to be seen as the downer in the group. You know, they 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 try to always be positive and be the the one to bring the light into the room, and not everyone can be that at all times. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. All right, let's go back to the phones. We have a couple couple of callers, and um, I'm not our our caller is Steve. Um, hi, Steve. Thanks for calling. Tell us what your thoughts are. Yeah, I I've just met a a, a guy that I didn't pay any attention to. My wife hired him because of high recommendations for yard work. Uh, he's I'm guessing he's. 45, 50, 40 or 50, and uh, I, I, since he was working for my wife and, and I'm a trifle incapacitated, uh, <clears throat> I just, you know, just left him alone and let her work with him. And then we found out that he had made an attempt on his, uh, on his, uh, on his own life. Right. Spent a month in a hospital in, uh, in Jackson and uh, then was taken home by his sister. He's single. He may be autistic, I suspect. He, uh, he, has, uh, he has some uh, awkward... Uh, I, I, I really trouble. I hope he's not listening, and I don't think he would be, but uh, that's a possibility. And uh, uh, he has a, a, a tique that uh, causes him to jerk uh, periodically, uh, and I'm very familiar with that uh, problem and know a lot about it just uh, from a lifetime of, of ordinary experiences. Right. But I wonder, how, how, what, what, what can I do? What can we do to help a guy like this? It, we had no idea that he was... He was struggling. Yeah. Yeah, he's got, he, he must be struggling. Yeah. But, boy, there was no sign about it. He's yeah. hardworking. He... he uh, it's you know, heavy yard work around yeah. the place since I can't anymore. And so, Steve, yeah, just a couple of things. I will say that we often don't know. Many times those individuals are hardworking and there are internal thoughts going on, um, maybe ruminating thoughts. We don't know what perhaps may have caused that or whether it's just a neurochemical imbalance. Um, if he has autism spectrum, it may be somewhat that. But I think the best thing you and your wife can do is to reach out to him, ask him how he's doing, show some small acts of kindness, let him know you care, let him know that he doesn't need to, to be alone. I think that's the kind of thing that you can do as an individual. And I think as uh, someone, you know, as somewhat of an employer, um, letting him know that, like, if if he needs a day off to 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 think or whatever, that that that, that is okay. Yeah. But often, often being alone is not good. So maybe ask him to just come in and and have a cup of tea or something with you sometimes could even be helpful. Okay, um, we have Stella on the road. And Stella, we just have a few seconds. I'm not sure if we can even address. Do you have a quick point that you or question? Well, I'll just say um, thanks so much for covering this topic. I'm I'm married to a firefighter who's been diagnosed with um, depression and PTSD, anxiety, and uh, definitely am experiencing a lot of what y'all talk about. And, you know, my question is really 
it feels like sometimes those who are closest to someone struggling with this are maybe the least well positioned to be the support we want to be. And just yeah. if you have any thoughts about that, that for a wife who's trying to support her husband. Great question. And honestly, that is something that I'd like to address next week. So stay with us and we'll go over that because it needs an answer. Thank you, everyone, for listening to Southern Remedy. Relatively speaking, it is a production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting Think Radio. I hope if you would like to listen to this show again or past episodes, you'll go to your favorite podcast um, and search for us, Southern Remedy, Relatively Speaking. Stay tuned for Here and Now, coming up next, right here on NPB Think Radio. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand.